Welcome to the Entrepreneur Academy with your hosts, Nick Dutton of Engage Finance and James Cross from Crossover Property on this episode of the Entrepreneur Academy. What the seller puts in a contract, they can put anything in there. Oh, okay, they can right. put pay my solicitor's fees, pay all the auction house fees, pay a buyer's fee. Cover the champagne after all these yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but now, here are your hosts, Nick and James. Both here today, myself and Jim. Hello. And we've got the YPN magazine. Uh, we thought we'd have a read through, pick a couple of topics to to go through. The first one is, can you really bag a bargain at auction? Which, Jim, you probably know more about than I do, because I've been to a few, but never really, for me, buying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've been to quite a number of them as well. Yeah. Always keep an eye on, on what the market's like, who's buying what, and, and seeing if we can actually bag any bargains at auction. Um, do you go to them if you even even if you have sort of no intention of buying? Yeah, I have been. Yeah, there's a couple. Um, you know, I try to go to fairly regularly just to see. You know, sometimes you see the old property come up. Um, you know, the previous auction came up again. This auction because it didn't sell. Okay. Um, I have seen that once or twice, but right. it, it's it's interesting to go see. You know, see if I know anyone there who's buying any other yeah, investors, yeah. and yeah. also just to see. It gives you an indication on the market as well. Yeah. Um, if things are selling quickly, if they're not, um, but it's always just interesting to see what's selling, what's not. Okay. How, how do you sort of approach them in terms of sort of background? I know a lot of people sort of say, we've just turned up and bought it, or you watch these <laughs> yeah. programs on TV and they're like, oh, did you go and view it? They're like, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in terms of, you know, going to an auction, actually, you know, with the intention to buy, it's so, so important to do your due diligence. Yeah. Um, you know, even more so sometimes than if you're just buying through an estate agent, because as soon as that hammer falls, you are committed to purchase. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's no you know backing out or changing your mind or renegotiating um, and generally people put property in an auction for a reason it's it's either they want a quick sale there's potential issues with the property or there's potential yeah. clauses in there that yeah. might snag people out um, do you usually find it's more issues with the property or more issues with the actual buyer uh, seller, uh, seller. they want to just get rid of it or is there yeah it, it's a bit of both I think you're probably leaning more towards complications in the property where be it you know I mean I'm generalising here but it could be structural issues it could okay. be issues with a lease on a property there could be particular clauses in, in the deeds um, like overage clauses or restrictions or covenants um, which if you don't look for them you won't even notice you know oh, it's a great house I'll just buy it and yeah. later down the line you'll find an issue after you brought it um, you know then you also get people like even developers who've you know brought property started doing some works ran out of money and then they just think well I need to sell it and get it yeah, true, true. Um, that also, also happens so there is a mixed bag um, you know sometimes you spot things or sometimes you see a property and then you wonder well why is it for sale what, what's the yeah. reason yeah. Uh, you know you always question these things so how many times would you sort of view it um, still just once or yeah I mean it depends on the property I mean yeah once is enough for me I mean if it's, if it's a normal house yeah I mean view enough for them to kind of understand the condition of the property yeah. um, if it's a bigger maybe commercial unit or something like that I might go around once myself and then once with either you know a JV partner or, or a builder or something just yeah. to get a, yeah, yeah. a second opinion um, but it's, it's whatever you feel comfortable with I guess but once as a minimum always see the property don't just buy blind yeah you, you hear a lot of people doing it yeah risky it, it is risky it is but risky. does it take away the uh, the emotional aspect I suppose I suppose it does I've heard of someone recently who just buys things blind just based on figures um, right 
And I mean, I'm quite an emotionally attached when it comes to property and business anyway, yeah. you know, and I think- It's hard not to be, isn't it? It is, yeah, it is. And I think, especially when you get everyone in a room at auction, you feel like you're gonna lose it and you want it. You've done all the work up to that point. You know, you've got to go in there with the fact that you stick with the price and yeah. you don't deviate from that price. Yeah. That's your max bid. Because um, as soon as you start going over that, it's quite a slippery slope, you know, paying over the odds for what it's worth to you. Um, and what, you know, when the hammer goes down and you, you pay the 10% and then actually a week down the line, you think, oh, I've really messed up with this one. Would you, or would you know, do you know of anyone that would just lose the 10, would you rather lose the 10% or try and overcome the issues. I suppose it depends on how bad the issue is. But. It does, yeah. It's um, it, yeah, it, it does depend on the issue for sure. I think if it's if it's going to cost you more in the long run than it is in the short run to to you know stop doing that deal, then yeah. you're better off losing ten percent. But it's an expensive mistake to make, it is. and uh, you never quite know. But I'll give you a good example of uh, I think it's. It's probably two months ago now. We're, okay. We were going to auction really, really well prepared to buy a large commercial property we're going to convert. Yeah. Um, and it was me and two other JV partners. We, you know, did a lot of due diligence in, you know, going to a planning consultant. We got finance ready for it, working with investors. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got a legal pack done, which we'll come on to. And we did a lot of work for it. And there was two things where we got there. And right at the last minute, there was something in the legal pack, which was something called an overage clause. So the whole idea the property wanted to do was to go buy it, go over to planning, and then up, give an uplift in value and, and do the works to it. Yeah, of course. Now, the overage clause stated that if we got planning permission and any uplift in value, the owner of the uh, currently would get 50% of that value. And, wow. and it's just, I mean, for example, if, if we bought 500k, got planning and the value, new value when we did the works was 1.5 million, that million pound of uplift, they would have got 500k, <laughs> you know, and wow. it's straight away that kills a deal. Who spotted that? Um, my sister, right. right at the last minute. Um, what, literally as you were in there? No, it was right. the morning before. So. <laughs> Wow. You know, the auction house updated the, the terms a few, like, I think two or three days before. And I just, yeah. I, I got my alerts on. So I spotted it and I said to my solicitor, please just check this. Um, why is it so last minute? And it's being very skeptical of things, but you have to be a little bit skeptical. Um, it saved you a lot in that one. Oh, totally. Because oh, going back to what we we're speaking about, if we did buy that, then it would have also been cheaper for us to not actually go ahead with the purchase, lose the 10% than we would have gone forward. Um, what was even more scary is the people who brought it, we went to go and speak to afterwards, they'd never checked the legal pack. So wow. they probably have had the scenario, unless, unless they were doing it for a different reason, but they might have brought it, not check the legal pack, and then you know if they've gone to planning, realise they're going to be out of money, out of pocket for, for that overage clause. So how does the seller get away with that? Um, they, well, it's, it's a bit sneaky. You know, Very you know, sneaky. The, the thing that got me even more is it, it was a council-owned property. It was a council who did it. <laughs> um, okay, that answers that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, it, 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 you know, goes to show you really got to check your stuff in auction. Um, things are in there for a reason. And little things like that, you think, why is this property so cheap? You get yeah. a lot of your money. It's a cracking redevelopment opportunity. Um, dead excited and... I, I was gutted when we didn't get it, but yeah. I was also happy that we spotted that mistake and Absolutely. didn't go ahead. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it, it definitely goes to show. It gives confidence to people I work with as well, saying, look, we do try our very, very best to make sure anything we go ahead with, we've done yeah. so much work on it before we, we commit. Um, so, yeah, that was definitely a learning curve. Yeah. But it, so if you were going to go ahead with that, so how do you go with like a, a bidding strategy and things like how would you deal with the pressure in the room? Because as I say, I've never really done it. So Yeah, so you get you know there's, there's different people in, in the room I suppose and you know a lot of people sit down you have people standing up and you yeah. have also people on the telephone as well um, some people like telephone bidding because they can they can they're not emotionally there and they, they, they can be a bit more yeah. strict yeah. but at the same time they can't read the room yeah. um, ultimately you'll pay what you want to pay but my preference is and I think most people would agree always stand right at the back so you can see who else is bidding um, and then I, I always like to keep quiet for a while and if it starts to slow down then I'd come in with my bids okay um, it's not gone over what you yeah exactly um, or in some cases it's already gone over what I'd pay for it and then I haven't even had a chance to bid and then I feel like okay. oh I've missed out having a bid yeah, now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get to put my hand up yeah that's it you get your paddle and you've never got to use it yeah um, but why, why do you want to watch other people just body language and- yeah it's a, it's a bit seeing how fast that property's selling if it's if it starts to slow down and starts because you're ultimately you're bidding against other people and yeah. you can start to see if people are reaching their maximum bid or not reaching it and it's it's not rushing into it so okay. I just like watching the room and seeing how it's going and do you shout you, like the own numbers out or do you just go with what they say yeah just usually what they say okay. yeah if it starts if, if the bidding slows down they usually drop the amount it's going up anyway yeah. so. and you wouldn't even be tempted to go like 500 pound a thousand pound over is that where it really starts to become hard <sighs> yeah I, th- I think if you go 500 pound over and then it goes another 500 pound over from the other bid you're going to go another 500 pound over yeah. and then you have 1500 quid over I think yeah 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 um, <laughs> So quick maths. Yeah, you have to be strict. I mean, if if your offer is eighty grand and you know you can go five hundred quid over, then put your offer as eighty five hundred, and that's your max bid. Yeah. So yeah, that, I wouldn't start going over your bid. For me personally, like I find auctions. If I was going to buy, quite scary. Yeah. How how have you sort of overcome the fears? So again, it, it comes down to going to auctions reasonably regularly. If you're gonna, if you're looking at auctions as part of your strategy. <laughs> always go to an auction first to experience it without the intention of a buying okay. I, I'd always I wouldn't go to an auction for the first time ever and try and buy something because you'll get wrapped up in it all I'd always go to an auction see how they work and then try and bid something another auction because okay. um, then you, you know what to expect you're not going to be flustered about that you would be focused on what your bid is yeah have you ended up bidding on another one that you've not even looked at but just saw actually on the day I haven't no but I know people who have okay um, I know people who've you know saved their the property they wanted was on the first couple of lots and they thought oh no I missed out and I want to buy something today yeah and they'll see something else in the catalogue and oh that sounds interesting they'll just bid on it I think that's the problem I'd fall into yeah because you just get so caught up in the moment it'd be exciting and yeah you do because you, you gutted I mean I've been to so many and I've still not brought a property through auction really yeah um but I've never wanted to make a mistake, so I've probably been cautious about it. But yeah, it's better to be that way. Yeah, because people talk about hidden fees as well a lot. Yeah, that's something that would not not necessarily scare me because I'm quite like you mentioned, quite you like you look over it and look over it again and you yeah. make sure it really really stacked. But what sort of I don't really what sort of hidden fees are there? Yeah, so it, it comes down to doing your due diligence and. If you're looking at properties buy from auction, always, always get a solicitor to check over the legal pack. Yeah. Because um, you've got... How you much have, that cost? 
Um, some some solicitors, if you've got a good relationship with them, will do it for free. Okay. Um, otherwise, you might be anywhere between 100 and 300 pounds, which for the sake of, yeah. if, you're running a, if you're doing property full time or you run it as a business and you've got money, it's yeah, worth it. Absolutely. I think the commercial property we looked at was about 300 quid cost to us because there's quite a lot of things in there, but yeah. I'd rather spend 300 quid and lose it than yeah, lose yeah. half a million quid. Yeah. It's still cheaper than a valuation and you wouldn't think twice about getting a valuation on it. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Um, and I think, you know, there are various hidden fees such as, you know, you've got paying the, the vendor solicitor's fees, you've got auction house fees, you've got, you know, a fee just so they can charge you a fee and, yeah, a, I didn't realise you had to pay the seller's solicitor fees. Not always, but you, right. they can. They, basically, what the seller puts in a contract, they can put anything in there. Oh, okay, they can right, put okay. sell, pay my solicitor's fees, pay all the auction house fees, pay a, a buyer's fee. You know, they they can do whatever they want. They cover um, the champagne after when it's yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when you think you're buying a house for fifty grand, it soon turns into fifty five, and then you think, well, my max bid has actually now changed. So it's, it's definitely to be check over. But I assume all those fees are. As much as we would say hidden, I, sh- I assume they are out there for you to see before bidding. Well, they're, they're not clear, okay. in my opinion. One of them might be clear, but there be three. So it can be three different fees sometimes. And you might see one of them, and you miss the other two. So it's just making sure you're tallying them all up and check them all. Because okay. um, they're not, I say they're not purposely hidden, but they're just not clear. And if you look at some, you know, we haven't touched on it yet, but obviously we're talking about traditional auctions where you go in a room and bid and there's a hammer down and you've also got the online auction yeah. um, method as well and they use a lot of a percentage of a value uh, sometimes. Oh, okay. So they'll do like a flat fee or a percentage if it goes above a value. Okay. So obviously depending on what you buy. a big for difference it, then. Oh, totally, totally. Um, so they'll do percentage fees or they'll do percentage plus other fees that are mixed in there as well. Right. Um, and they were a particular online auction house. They charge six grand minimum fee. Wow. Which is a. I suppose on the big one, like this, like you said, the commercial, the deal probably swallows that up quite easily. But on a small one, yeah, well, that's well, huge. It, well, it's six grand minimum fee, but on their percent, I can't remember the percentage off the top of my oh, head. Of course. But if it's like half a million quid, then you might end up paying twenty grand on wow legal um, legal concern, <laughs> auction house fees. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So there's good money in these online auctions because I can imagine there's not much overhead for them either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you've got a few staff with you know some phones and a desk, but yeah, I might have to start one. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, so the the I used to think it was probably really naive that online auctions was just an online version of an actual auction that was going ahead. Yeah, yeah. But I'm guessing it's not. No, no, it's 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 essentially. Um, this is eBay. It, it is almost. Yeah, it is. You. When you, if you agree to buy something or bid on it, you're agreeing to auction term conditions. So you, you don't, you have to put your exchange deposit down and yeah. you agree to buy it. Um, you know, I think it works. Some of them have a kind of bidding system so you can bid on it and then an vendor might accept that deal. And then you, you, as soon as you put your exchange money down, you've exchanged, yeah. you're legally binding. Um, some will have deadlines as well. So they might have a Friday at, at three o'clock in the afternoon. That's when you've got to get your final bids in. Yeah. Um, but then as, as soon as you've registered as a, as a winning bidder, you have to put your exchange money down and you're registered online for that. Um, you know, whereas an estate agent, you can bid on it and they agree to it and then you're not, you're not liable to purchase necessarily. You can pull out still. Things like uh, your power team and stuff like that. Would you have a different power team for an auction purchase than you would for a standard purchase? <sighs> not necessarily, no. Um, 
I mean, this this commercial one we're looking at, we did have a different solicitor because they dealt yeah. purely in, in commercial okay. property of that level. Um, but generally, I think if you've got a, you need a good solicitor who's going to be quick and who has worked with you buying or worked buying property at auction before. Usually, it's in twenty eight days you need to purchase it. So yeah. then you'd be able to commit to that and do that. Um, obviously, your finance is really important. You'll know about that, Nick. Yeah, yeah. Um, we get approached a lot of people that have bought at auction and then don't actually realise how to finance it. Yeah. And, they, you know, they've already contacted us two or three days after. You know, they've bought it all excited. They've left it over the weekend. They come back yeah. on the Monday, Tuesday after Googling it and thinking, oh, actually, I don't know how to fund this. <laughs> and you're already eating into that 28 days, yeah. which in property and the finance world is quite a quite a long time yeah as much as people think oh it's only two or three days but so you have to use specific auction finance yeah. which is kind of like bridging so they'll do 75% loans value like a normal uh, mortgage lender would do mm. but they specifically will look to complete within the 28 days rather than a mortgage would typically take a lot longer than 28 yeah. days but where it sort of you know kills more deals is the fact that you've got a bridging arrangement fee on top yeah, which can be two percent. You've then got to pay monthly for the bridging, yeah. Whilst you have it, which is usually bridging can be quite cheap at point four five. I think is probably one of the cheapest out there okay. at the moment, yeah. which is pretty cheap, really. But it all adds up to the overall cost of the purchase. Yeah, and then you might look to refinance after a month or so. You know, it might give you some time to do a bit of refurb or whatever you want to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, but it all adds to the cost. If you're looking to just buy a hands-off single-let investment, which we'll touch base on, by the time you've taken into the hidden fees of the um, auction house, yeah, the cost of actually buying it, the cost of getting auction finance, and then remortgaging it onto a buy-to-let product, it, it can quite often kill the deals. Yeah, definitely. Which is why, like you say, the, the DD side of it is so important. Yeah. And sometimes when you think you've bagged a bargain as it says on there there's not always bargains if you work with investors as well and you go to auction to buy something you need to be damn sure that you know you have got an actual investor who's got the money to work with you on it yeah. and they've agreed to it yeah um, and I think if you haven't then you could become very unstuck very quickly because uh, someone is going to have to pay that 10% on the day yeah exactly you know yeah I think, I think auctions can be really powerful primarily for cash buyers yeah I think that's where it really becomes quite powerful. Mm, definitely. Um, because it, you avoid a lot of the costs there. Yeah. And you don't have to keep your cash in, you know, you can remortgage it. We haven't even touched on the, on the selling side in auctions as well. I don't know about other places in the country, but where, where we are at the minute in, in the Midlands is we're seeing a lot of prices and the auctions being quite inflated and very good for people selling property in auctions. Right. Um, there's a lot of people, I've you paying over the odds, hence why I haven't really brought anything myself yet because they've always paid over what I think it's worth um, is that just because there's so much demand I think I think there's a demand there's also a lot of these kind of home under the hammer type people yeah, yeah. Who, who are naive and, and buy stuff over the odds or yeah. there might be families who want to buy something and do it up and live in it um, yeah. you know or might be builders who will always do it cheaper than you know yeah. property investors and I don't think it's just auction though is it I think that's everywhere I think it is everywhere yeah um, I think it's more apparent in an auction where you're literally seeing people bidding for yeah. it and you're seeing who your competition is fighting for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's it 
I know I know a few people who will buy stuff, you know, that's maybe under imminent repossession or the vendor needs the cash quick and they'll just buy it off them um, at a discounted price and then they'll, they'll flip it in auction and sell it in auction at the, and the same oh, okay. condition. Right. Um, so they might only make 10, maybe 15 grand, but, you know, for oh, doing nothing really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's worth it. So I guess, is that as a property strategy then? It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. I know I know people are doing it as that, that's one of their main strategies. Right. Buying things extremely quickly with cash, you know, within a week. Yeah. Um, I think the quickest someone said to me the other day was about forty-eight hours they've done it in. Yeah. Um, which is you <laughs> basically buying it completely blind. Uh, but if you get it at the right price and you're flipping an auction and maybe in the auction pack you're putting that the buyer pays all your fees, <laughs> then it's yeah, uh, yeah. extra money for you. It's quite a hands-off. It, it is an yeah. easy strategy to do but yeah. I guess you've just got to have that cash up front whenever you I think the hard part at that point is in finding those those type of properties but yes. there's always people out there who will need a quick sale on a property yeah. for whatever reason it is to get rid yeah yeah. Um, and I guess you've got to find those before they even hit the open market oh totally yeah there's, there's no way really you could buy something at that price and then flip it in auction it's usually yeah. stuff that's never hit the market right I guess for you the perfect again talking about hitting the market because I guess it's when it get when it hits the auction, it sort of hit the market. Then it's yeah. the same as hitting the estate agents. Would you always try and negotiate before it hits the auction? Yeah, I would. Yeah, um, there's, there's there's obviously three ways you can buy auctions: one prior to auction, one during the auction when it actually happens, yeah. or you can negotiate after the auction if it doesn't sell. Everyone thinks auctions you have to buy it on the day. You don't. Um, you can negotiate prior or afterwards. Okay. Um, which is which I think are the better times to buy. You've got more time and flexibility, and I think you haven't got people in the room bidding at the same time. You've mm-hmm. got you know negotiations going on. So there's always a guide price, which is always ridiculously low and always yeah. there to tempt Get you. you um, there's a typical rule of thumb that a reserve will be about ten percent above the guide price, right? Um, so if you if you think it's worth you know ten percent over the guide price plus maybe a little bit extra for the margin for the vendor then you can always put an offer in previous and see if you'll, they'll agree to buy it you know sell it to you mm-hmm. um, you're still bound by the auction terms but you can just get a deal done before it goes to auction um, right okay because typically when you go to auction they'll be they'll go through the list of catalogue and they'll be oh this is sold prior this is sold prior this is sold prior this has okay. been withdrawn um, and that's because someone's got a deal done beforehand but from a, from a cheeky aspect can you do it without doing it through auction terms if you've been marketing it by the yeah. auction house you're, you're liable um, okay. if, you, if you've if you known the vendor beforehand I mean I had a case uh, not so long ago where we were directing the vendor um, we agreed to purchase it off him and unfortunately he became quite ill uh, ill of health and he had to he wanted to just get it done in auction and right. he, then he already signed the contract with the auction house so it went to auction and sold um, unfortunately it sold for less than I'd already agreed to buy it off him um, we needed a planning term so we had a three month period to, to purchase it in um, but he wanted the money in 28 days right. so that was an unfortunate case but um, but yeah you, you can you know negotiate prior to to the auction you can almost go in and pay the extra that would have been the costs of the auction yeah exactly yeah yeah. you're paying if you're buying directly from a vendor you're saving yeah. money so therefore you can offer him more and he, unfortunately he, he sold it without a reserve price so he, he didn't even hit a reserve he, he sold it quite uh, probably a loss but he just needed it sold and money right. and the money in his bank and how did he do it after because if, if the hammer's gone down you have to you always have to pay the 10% deposit yeah you? right okay but how do you then negotiate after 
if the bidding goes and maybe it doesn't doesn't reach reserve price, yeah. um, then you can then go to the auction house and say, look, you know, really interested in the property. Um, it's a bit too much for me where it needs to be, but can we negotiate on something? And what some of them don't realise is that when people sell their property at auction, usually that vendor is is in the room as well. Um, okay. It's not not all the ca- all the time, but I have seen it where, say, for example, the property hasn't sold. You'll go, to, you know, go to the back of the room at the end of the end of the auction house. Speak to the auction house and say, "Look, I'm interested in buying this property. Can we do a deal today?" Um, and then they sometimes will go and grab the vendor. You're there with the vendor and the auction right, house, okay. and then you can usually try and negotiate some sort of deal between you, um, which which can work at times. And you've got to just hope it doesn't sell on the actual day. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But I assume that's still under auction terms. It would still be under auction terms. Right. Yeah. Yeah, or, or you can maybe negotiate a slightly different terms with the vendor if if he, if he would allow it. Um, but the the auction house is essentially acting as an estate agent in that okay. process. What about if you left it for a week or so after the auction? You found the details via uh, Lamarin Street or something, then contacted them. Yeah, I mean you, you could do. Um, I suppose it's a contentious point of if you if you agree a deal with them and they're still under auction terms uh, yeah. or under the auction's contract. Um, but if the auction house haven't sold it and you can get a deal or agree with a the vendor, then you know, I don't see any reason why not. You might find if, if it didn't sell in that auction, they might put it in another auction next yeah, month. Or, so. Yeah, and then yeah. it's too late, it's already good to that. Yeah, yeah. Right. So that, that sort of covers auctions, which is what they've sort of looked at in the YPN, and hopefully we've looked at the real side of auctions rather yeah. than just the highlights of 20-odd grand of profit made from this deal or whatever <laughs> that they've put in there. So yeah. another thing they've talked about is single lets. Yeah, I always hear that people say single lets are just pointless nowadays. I think it depends on what your kind of investment, um, I say strategy is, but where your viewpoint is and what your goals are. Yeah, um, I still think they can be great. Um, you know, I mean, I, I'm doing a few single lets for a client at the minute. Um, you know, as in terms of sourcing and project managing. Yeah, um, which which is great, but they are they are very tight. Um, in terms of money, um, both from a refer point of view, both from you know what you can buy it at, what you can refinance it at, mm-hmm. um, and I think certain areas of the UK are better than others as well. I think that has quite a big factor into it. Where do you think it's good at the moment? Um, well, I wouldn't want to say exactly. I know people doing stuff in say the northeast and yeah, yeah. South yeah. Wales and yeah. places like that where you're buying stuff. You know, County Durham is another one where you're buying stuff maybe forty, fifty k, and you're you know gain quite a large revaluations but it's it doesn't necessarily happen in every part of the country we don't want to use the exact figures that as in here because we you know, don't want to slate a deal but talk, talking about refurb and I, i've done it before where we've looked at our own refurb for flips that we've done it always seems to be round numbers it's either 10 15 20 it's never yeah. sort of like 10,127 <laughs> we used to budget 10 grand for a refurb is that realistic um, it varies. Depends. I mean, you've got you've got from where I see, you've got two different types of, of refurb costs, especially in a single let, where you can either spend the time doing a lot of work yourself and really managing it down to the tee of deciding what kind of toilet you're going to order, what kind of tiles or yeah. floor you're going to order, and trying to get a bargain on everything, um, which you will ultimately save a lot of money on. Yeah. But you've got to look at what's your time worth to you. Um, I always look at things I'd rather pay more and not have the time aspect of trying to source everything and, and order stuff and trying to get, you know, just a cheap kitchen or, yeah. you know, yeah. little things. Because it's very time consuming to do it. It takes a lot of brain power, to, you know, or mind space. It does. Um, 
you know, especially if you've got a number of these projects on, I don't know many people who are doing the buy to lets cheap that have got a number of buy to lets at one go. They're usually doing one at a time, time. slow and steady, um, which is great, but it is slow and steady. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I suppose the money they've saved on that deal, you could probably double that if you were doing another two or three at the same time. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Rather than just focusing on that one. Yeah. That's what I do. I mean, look at the bigger pictures. You know, if you pay a bit more on each refurb, you can have three in one go rather than one. Yeah. Um, it's really looking at what, what's your time worth and you know how you factor that in because we'll, we'll pay more on a refurb but it's very much we'll, we'll do it. There's a little bit of managing process involved but it's very you know much more hands-off than, you know, than trying to do it all yourself. From a financial point of view we, we're finding a lot of deals don't stack when you start to take into bridging costs. Yeah. Uh, and I suppose the strategy that you guys do where it works is sort of cash yeah. refurb and refinance it at the end. Have you done a deal where it works on bridging not yet no, no. Um, we we had a, a couple where we would we were going to bridging on and in the end we were looking at rates and they were going to go through the process and they just they decided to scrap the bridging and just buy it cash um, just for the for the hassle and the, and the you know the cost of it doing it. it I think they can work and if you've got you know a super juicy deal that's got loads of margin in it yeah then great use it but we've we've struggled to find buy to let's you know Work, yeah, it? especially when I when I'm doing stuff for clients as well, where you know they have to pay a sorting fee to me, and yeah, yeah. they've got to yeah. pay the refer, they've got to pay stamp duty, legals, you know, it all adds up, up. Yeah. Um, and the hidden fees that are involved with bridging and stuff like exactly. access to fees. And, yeah, what we're seeing a lot of now is a lot of people just getting a traditional buy to let mortgage, yeah, refi- and we're refinancing it sort of three months down the line, <laughs> which you know I can't blame them for doing it because it's the only way deals are going to stack. Yeah. But it is fraud. It <laughs> is. There is no way of, of a way of looking at it. And hundreds of people across the country are getting away with it. You can't deny that. But I've seen two cases recently that have they've literally had black marks against their name. Yeah. And brokers have been shut down and everything because wow. you shouldn't be doing it. No, no, you shouldn't be, no. It's you wouldn't run an HMO on a static single let mortgage. No, no, you wouldn't know. It's, it's, it's the same thing. It's not worth it. Long if you're if you're planning to be in property long term, do things right. Don't risk don't risk things like this. Yeah, um, you know that's that's what I'd say. It's either cash or bridging. If you're doing a substantial work to the property and yeah. you want to get a revaluation, you know, higher and actually you know pull out some money, then yeah, yeah it's the right way of doing it. Yeah, if you're gonna do a bit of work, but actually you're happy to just leave that value in the property and then yeah, once your two year fix is done up, then you get revalued. That's fine. Yeah, no yeah. problem with that at all. It's when it's it's the people that want the money in and out quick. Yeah, if you, if you go in the intention of doing a, a substantial refurbishment and spending a chunk, good chunk of money on it, cash or bridging. Yeah. But if you're just planning to change a floor or do a bit yeah, of yeah. paint, yeah, that's fine. How are you finding them? Because um, they're so tight anyway. Even with using cash, they're tight. Yeah, um, is that where you spend a lot of your time? finding the good ones yeah we do a lot of viewings um, you know negotiate a lot of stuff I mean we've generally we do a lot of stuff through estate agents just because that's where all the stock is available Um, you know and I think there's a lot of negotiation involved it's a numbers game from what we're finding you might view 10 properties off on all of them and one of them might work as a deal um, just because of end of circumstances. Uh-huh. So in particular area we're doing them at the minute, we kind of know already what kind of price works we could pay for them. So we've already got that in their head and they're fairly, you know, cut and paste of what works, what doesn't work because they don't vary too much, Yeah. Um, which is good and bad. But 
they can get tight and especially on a refurb if you've got um, say an extra room that needs plastering or you know you've got you didn't realise the boiler was knackered and needs replacing or you know little things that might might not say be as a bigger problem on big refurbs on a small little one like this a few hundred quid or, or even a thousand pounds makes a huge difference it does yeah it must um, you know what we're trying to say is it's not necessarily a quick strategy no no I mean I think if you're starting out in property it's you know it's maybe good to do it and then get a bit more involved yourself because it's, it's well it's one of the simplest things you can do really it's yeah. you know learning how you know how a small property what you need to change and go through that process um, and learning it but if you've got big ambitions and big goals you're going to struggle to do it just yeah. by doing buy to lets from our point of view from a funding aspect is it helps tick a lot of boxes yeah doing that first one just get a simple hands off single let investment it gives you that landlord experience it gives you Definitely. the first property if you haven't already got one all those sort of things it gives you if you're going to do a bit of a refurb it allows you to get your power team sorted to know that they can do it yeah you know if you're working with you on a on a on a, on a buy refurbish refinance once you've done one like you say it's copy and paste yeah exactly uh, so they can so they can sort of start that that ball rolling I guess yeah and I think it's, it helps having a bit of a, a mixed portfolio as well if you if you start off doing a couple of buy to lets you're building that credibility building that experience up yeah and then you can start moving on to your HMOs yeah. your commercial property and, yeah you know but you've always got the security and the safety of a single lets because they're probably the least amount of hassle you'll get long term yeah um, you know some people will buy single lets in high potential growth areas and just leave them for five ten years and hope for capital appreciation okay um, yeah makes sense which, which works yeah you know, if you've got a long term strategy um, that, that's another thing that people will do as well so I think that's a good point that you say that you use it as a, as a base to start at yeah because even the commercial world they, they, they want sector experience before you can sort of go into commercial properties yeah but I'm finding that a lot of them now are quite flexible and it doesn't necessarily necessarily need to be commercial experience yeah, yeah. I've got deals through where they've had a single let for two years and now they're buying a commercial yeah and they've got more experience and you're thinking this is going to be hard to get through because of that but they've just kind of gone yeah at the end of the day if you can run a single let residential you probably could run a commercial yeah, and most true. commercial investments are, are, are even more hands off than a residential. Yeah, because as point. soon as you've got a, a lease in place and a commercial unit moves in, yeah, they're it's not going to ring you every five minutes saying the boiler is broken or whatever, <laughs> are they? So yeah, very true. So we've, we've covered auctions and, and single lets. Uh, hopefully you've got some value from this today. Awesome. Thanks, guys. This is the Entrepreneur Academy. If you have a question, use the hashtag the Entrepreneur Academy.